scripture reading is from Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, and then 11 and 12. And you can follow along on page 9. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose mortal wound was healed. This is the word of the Lord. All right, how many of you hearing that go, what? What? <laughs> and that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing compared to what we sometimes see in this book, in this letter, in this um, prophecy, in this book of Apocalypse, this unveiling, this revealing. And so it's good for us as we step into this place to remember a couple of things. The first one is that Revelation is the unveiling. And we talked about this last week, that John is taken up into the throne room of God. And what he is witnessing is the truth reality. Beyond our true reality, beyond the things that we deal with, beyond the things that we see, that in fact over and above that is the truth reality. The fact that God is sovereign, he is on his throne, that he is always watching, always caring, always pursuing, always loving in mercy and justice, in truth and in peace. And that while it might seem and appear to us that things are out of control or things are beyond our comprehension, which they are, that God understands all, that he is moving in all and working in all. And that is the truth reality that is above that. And so as John is walking this path of having things unveiled to him, revealed in a way in this truth reality, it, it is shown in ways that we can't really can't take literally <laughs> in the sense of this is exactly what it looks like and how it looks but what we can see and there's a reason for that it would crush us <laughs> it would undo us to the point that we would be moved in the sense of understanding movement walking because the grandeur and, 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 and how big the mercy of God is, how big the righteousness of God is, how big the holiness of God is, it is good that we see through a glass dimly. It is good that we are veiled in our approach towards it. That's a God's mercy to us. And, and so I, I want to remind you that as we're reading the book of Revelation, it is not a book for us to figure out. It's not something that we're supposed to dig deep into all the intricacies and numbers and what the horns mean and what this means. That's fun for some. But that's not what it's about. Because when we get caught up on those things, we basically get lost in the forest and can't see the trees. We can't see that this is about God's hope and his steadfast love 
And so as we jump into this place, as we're really, guys, we're really, we're way up here in this book. And we're going to dip down real quick and then jump right back out. In order for us to kind of grasp what is it that John is, is dealing with. Both at the time that this is written, but what does it mean for us today where we're at? So if it'd be okay with you, I'd like to just pray about that. Um, God, you put this letter in your book for us. And, and many, when we encounter it, we're fearful of it. We don't want to get it wrong. We, we are afraid of some of the imagery. We're, um, we question your mercy when we read some of the destruction. Um, and, and really today, God, we're just dipping our toe in this. And so, uh, one, don't let that dip undo us. <laughs> Two, let it give courage and grace and mercy to us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Now, We've jumped from chapter 4 to chapter 13. Now, when this letter was written, it didn't have chapters, but that's what it looks like for us. And, and so it, we're going to go back and grab the information that's in chapter 5 next week. But it's good for us, I think, at least in, as I was praying through this and thinking through it, that it might be good for us to understand why 5 happened earlier. And I think this is why 5 happens. So, so there's seven seals that are going to be undone in chapter 6. There's seven trumpets that are going to happen after that. There's 144,000, this number that's put out there of people who are underneath and worshiping God. There's things that are going on and there's this battle. There's a dragon and there's a baby and a dragon that's chasing after a baby. And you can read all sorts of commentaries about that and all sorts of ideas. I, I read one last week that I hadn't read before that like, whoa, by one of my favorite French philosophers. Probably shouldn't read a French philosopher when you're talking about the Bible, but anyway. So what do these beasts mean, <laughs> right? So then, so we get to this part where, where these beasts are revealed in chapter 13. Here's the first beast. I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems in, on its crown or, or crowns and, and blasphemous names on his head. And then we have the second beast that rise up after that. What these beasts represent is destruction. And our desire for power. They, they don't come out and represent destruction right away. They're actually talking about imperial power and imperial worship. But in our hearts, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I think it's good for us to go back to the beginning. Not the beginning of Revelation, but the beginning. Because what actually we see taking place here is a move in our hearts, in our minds, to have allegiance 
towards something. And so at the beginning, when God spoke to existence, when he said, let there be light, and there was light, when he said, let there be land, and there was land, when he created the animals and he made man and woman in his image, when he did all that, all those things were good, very good. They were ordered correctly. They were exactly as God desired them to be. They had their purpose and their meaning completely in God. That all things were good. Or shalom together in peace. In unity in how they were meant to be. And then Adam and Eve hear, you can be more. You can do more. You can understand more. There's something hidden from you that needs to be revealed, and God doesn't want you to have it. Now that's the first lie. And when that lie takes root in their little itty-bitty hearts, their little itty-bitty hearts say, yes, that's what I want. There must be something hidden. And it infects all of us. Because at that point, there is an alliance shift between what is good and right and pure and truth, what is shalom, to a searching for my own rights, my own truth, and my own shalom. And what then takes place is the undoing and the slow destruction of God's goodness that is in this world. And we begin to see it over and over and over again throughout Scripture. And if you stop and think, you see it happen in your own life. That there are places that I seek out my own, which leads to destruction. And so what's taking place here is the ultimate reality is being revealed. That there are beasts <laughs> that come up. And they are shown to be in this particular place for these particular people who are reading this at the first time, those seven churches, the imperial power that is Rome, who are longing to be worshipped, who are longing to be made the truth. That's what they desire and what they want. And, and what is being said by John, revealed by God through Jesus to an angel to John, is saying, there are those whose alliance you will be asked to have, and you should not go there. There is an alliance to a power structure that is outside of mine, that longs to take control of you. We notice just how antithetical, how against God it is. Why? Because this first beast has all sorts of blasphemous names on its head. And the only thing that it can speak, it tells us, is blasphemy. <laughs> this beast, it says in verse 5, was given a mouth of uttering haughty and blasphemous words. That says God is not God. God is a liar. God is not true. So that the people's hearts are turned saying, but you'll allow me to do that? You'll give me what I'm looking for. 
And, and that's what's being said here. Rome had set itself up to say, we are the caregivers of you. We love you. We want you to follow us. We are the right and rightful rulers of all the world. Now, it's very difficult for us today in this global society to think to ourselves, is there, I mean, is there anybody out there that's doing this? Now, some of us could go, yeah, I can name 14 right away that could do it. But I think for us in this modern world that isn't trapped by the geographical nature of it, that in reality our hearts are the things that most often bring us to this place. How our hearts become the beast that is blasphemous. That we think our way is better than God's way. That our desire is better than God's desire. That our decision is better than God's decision. And so we belittle and we lower God's, and we do it by lying to ourselves about who God is. The most blasphemous thing that we can say is that God is not good, (laughs) that God is not love, that God is not holy, that God is not right, that he does not have for us good. But we do. We move into that place where we begin to question, is God really walking with us? Because there are trials and tribulations. There are things that are going on. There seems to be disorder, and there is disorder. Because this beast brings disorder. This beast brings destruction. It promises us power, and we want power so that we can feel safe. And it leads us to slavery where we can't help but just then do those things so that we can maintain this thought. The second beast that comes is the one who then says, you should worship this one. I'll give you knowledge of who this one is so that you can worship. And we want that knowledge so we can feel like we're in control. If we're going to worship this, then we want the right way to worship it so that we don't get it wrong. And so there's this place that we begin to rename things in our lives that are evil to be good so that we can in turn worship it because it's good and God says no that's not what should happen I will not allow that to happen that there's this place in our hearts that we know that we feel that we see by Holy Spirit that I'm walking this path towards destruction But we decide it's easier to rename destruction than to turn away from destruction. And that's what we see happening here to those who are seeing this beast. That it says he causes them to worship, but he makes them slaves. He puts them into bondage. Now, as an aside, because you might read the rest of this chapter when you walk away, this is the book, this is the place where we get the number 666. There's a lot of things that can be said about this. This is what I want you to hear from me. 666 is one less in each one of those categories than seven. It is imperfection. It is disorder and destruction. 
It's not about a barcode. It's not about a thing that we're going to have. It's a thing that says our hearts, when it's turned on its own selves, will seek for what we think will give us wholeness, but it doesn't. It gives us destruction. But that God who created all things good longs to move in our life to bring us back to that. So when we see these beasts arising, there's a place where we see them in the way that they're described and we can be fearful. When we see the beast arising, there's a place where we should be fearful. We should look and know that when my heart is turned towards a seeking of power outside of God's power, outside of comfort, outside of God's comfort, out of knowledge, outside of God's knowledge, out of safety, outside of God's safety, it will lead. And so I must be afraid for a moment. That reminds me of that. But the glory is this. After these beasts are shown, after they're revealed for who they are, John sees this. Then I looked, and behold, on the Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of the harpist playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. And no one could learn that song except for those who had been redeemed from the earth. And it is these who were not defiled, these he redeemed from mankind as the first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth, they were blameless. Now see this. We don't stay on the beast long. Because the Lamb is mighty enough. We don't stay on the beast long because the Lamb has overcome we don't stay on the beast long because the Lamb is the one who redeems us and brings us in. That redeeming is taking you from your brokenness and making you whole. Taking you from your fear and giving you life and courage in God. That it's at this place that we begin to see there is a battle that is going on far bigger than the battle that will happen at 4.30 today. Soccer, West Coast legal. Not very, well, half, 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 yeah, half of teams. Far bigger than that. But is one, oh, it is one that has already been won. The outcome is sure. Why? Because the Lamb, who we'll talk about next week, <laughs> has overcome. And so it's good for us to remember, I have places in my heart that long for things that I seek outside. 
And it's good for us to know that God draws us together to remind us that we are part of those who are on the mountain singing a new song that God has put in our hearts that only we can sing because God has Jesus, you are mighty, (laughs) holy, righteous, and true. It is only, (laughs) it is only in your grace and your mercy, in your victory, that we move against the beasts that come to us. You have overcome. You have overcome. Let us stand in that. Let us believe it, and in our unbelief, help us in that unbelief. Reveal your heart to us. Thank you for your love. How steadfast it is that you will pursue us above and beyond. And even when I get this wrong, which I could very well do, you will let that burn up. That it won't take root in our hearts. But your truth would. Let it take root in our hearts and bring glory to you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and respond by singing together.